Welcome to The State of Me, hosted by Tanya Louise. State of Me is a podcast highlighting that with struggle comes strength. And by sharing stories of the everyday highs and lows, we can rewire our mindsets to overcome our fears, self-doubts, and create a life we love. Okay, hello and welcome back to part two of Caring for a Loved One, um, which is my dad. Um, And I think where we left off was me telling you that he got himself in jail. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this man, absolute nightmare. Um, So I am going to kick that off. But firstly, I am just going to tell you that I am currently still in quarantine. Um, I've been recording all my episodes in here because I needed a way to keep myself sane and um, busy whilst letting the 14 days pass. So um, that is where I am. A lot of you, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that um, I have come to Queensland to live. I've relocated and I'm going to talk about that in an episode down the track. But that is is my current update of what I'm doing right now. I just had my day 12 um, test, my COVID test. And so as long as that's clear, I will be out of here in two days. So I'm very, very excited. um, And I can't wait to share with you all on my Instagram what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be traveling, um, setting up my life here and all of that stuff. So I will keep you updated over there and um, check in with you guys here as well. All right, so let's get into the episode. All right, so I have left you at me being in Sri Lanka, dad being in jail in Melbourne, and what the hell am I going to do? (laughs) It was an absolute mess. I remember just bawling my eyes out when I got off the phone and calling mum. And I even called my sister, bless her soul. Um, She was really great. She's like, Tan, you are on a trip for you. You were there to, you know, um, not worry about anything happening over here. She's like, if he's in remand, if they can't do anything about that anyway and he's going to go into jail, she's like, you know, don't stress yourself out over it. Just wait till you get back home. And I think because obviously I didn't have too much longer to go. Um, Wait till you get back home and try and sort it all out once you're here. Which is great advice. And to be honest, I mean, that's what I was there for to calm down. But typical dad style had to always um, cause some drama. Um, But it was a lot harder to do, um, to be honest, because I I think actually, like looking back now, I realized that being in the place that I was and the tools that I had just learned from doing yoga and meditation and breath work, um, I was able to apply to this situation and it definitely helped me um, having these tools to deal with um, all the crap that was about to come my way. So yeah, really grateful to have been where I was. Um, So I spent hours um, looking for lawyers and trying to figure out how I was going to get him out. I had to learn and understand the entire system, go through a lot of paperwork um, and very lucky and grateful that when I got back to Melbourne, um, and this was over Easter, it was April, so April 2019, it was during the Easter break as well. So he spent his Easter in there. He wouldn't take any bloody phone calls. Um, and yeah, I got back to Melbourne and I found, um, I had a friend who knew someone um, who was a lawyer and could help us out and um, figure this this whole thing out. So dad spent quite some time in jail unfortunately um he was originally in um the city on spencer street um can't remember what that place is called down there um and i got to see him i actually got to go and see him at that jail and that was a different experience you really do have to go through quite a lot of systems and check-ins and i had bought him um 
some clothes and stuff, I think, or I'd bought something for him and had to get approved. Um, money, you can give him money because there's a canteen in jail and they can buy things. Um, but you had to check it all in. Then, yeah, they approved it all, made sure there's no weapons and no other stuff in it. Um, and then they were able to give that to him. Um, and I was allowed to have it was once. So I saw him once in jail and I think he was there for like a month or a little bit longer. Um, could have been a little bit longer, maybe two months all up. And um, I just remember, I remember waiting in this cafeteria kind of space, like um, canteeny chairs, like very much like um, all the TV shows that you see of jails and whatnot. It looked the same. And I sat down at a table and you could see there was a glass um, room, doors and stuff. And there was two like, you know, big security guards with all their gear on and you would see other people coming out. So there was a process where they had to come out, get checked over and whatnot. And then they were allowed into that cafe room um, and then vice versa. When they went back in, they were allowed to, um, they had to get checked and stuff. And then they were allowed to go back in just in case, you know, you've handed them something. Um, and I was expecting orange for some reason, an orange jumpsuit, very American um, and I was waiting for ages and then he walked out and I remember bawling my eyes out cause I just saw him and was like, oh my gosh, just like frail old man, innocent. He had such good intentions. I know he's just, I know he's not this bad person. Um, and he's in like, it just was mind blowing that he was in jail. It's so weird. And I, I just still to my, to this day, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Like, it's just wild. Um, but yeah, he came out and sat with me and we talked a little bit, but he didn't want to talk too much about the experience that was going on in there. And I did ask him, are you okay? Are you safe? Um, you know, is anything happening in there? Like, and I tried to get as much as I could out of him, but he just wasn't really open about it. And I think, I think it definitely was something that was eye opening for him that he, 100% will not be going in jail again because he just absolutely um, did enjoy the experience um, in this particular space, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. So, um, I mean, who would? <laughs> and there was like definitely some real like dangerous looking men that came out of there fully tattooed up to their, their faces. Um, it looked it looked intense. Like I definitely wouldn't want to be in that space. So I just felt so much for him. Um, but it was I was grateful to be able to have that conversation and see him. And then he did he said to me, please don't come here again. And I think it might have been pride, um, shame, guilt, all of that. You know, he said, don't tell my, my family. Um, you know, I don't want anyone to know about this. And obviously I understood that, but it's um yeah, it was like, it's not his fault. So um, we then got moved. He got moved from um, the city, Melbourne, um, to, what was it called? It was Raven Hall. So it was the Raven Hall Correctional Centre um, that was built further out. And this is, I'm talking like big scale, proper jail <laughs> um and this is where there were murderers and rapists and they were putting him in there um someone who is mentally unstable putting him in a jail cell um with murderers and rapists and I just feel like that in itself is a problem in the system and that needs to change it also took us so goddamn long to be seen by a judge to um I mean the lawyer was just doing so much work behind the scenes and she said we weren't the only case in this situation where someone was you know remanded and put in jail and not even looked at their mental health status at all um you know he could have been given uh, community duty could have been done uh, like, there's could have been so many other things I mean at the time I was raging but there could have been so many other things done to support him rather than just popping him in jail and I will say that um it was I found out afterwards and I had words 
had words with a constable. I don't know who I was, but I was just so angry and frustrated at the system in 2019 that was still so far behind, especially, and I'm going to generalize and I don't mean to, but it's like, I feel like police officers need to go back and do training and maybe specifically this police officer that um, handled the situation. So she had said something along the lines of, and I've wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I explained it properly, but she stated that a man like him should not be allowed on the streets. And I'm like, sorry, a man like him. And what does that imply? What does that mean? And this is someone's, someone in a, in a place of power um, choosing to use her personal opinion um, on someone. And it was just, I, I don't know, I just had an ear bashing conversation with her. I was in Brisbane at the time. She called me and she's like, because I had actually been trying to get in contact with her and she finally called me and I just let her have it. I didn't even care. I Honestly, at this point, I did not even care if I got arrested. Um, I was just like, this is disgusting and your language is appalling and there is no way that you should be working in the field that you are if you have no concept of mental illness um, and you can't just put someone in remand, throw someone in there without looking into all of it. And I mean, there was a lot more involved. I'm telling you, I'm really telling you the iceberg tip of this because there was so much behind the scenes and she had a target on his back for a very long time. Um, but yeah, she honestly on the phone just said that he should not be allowed on the streets. And I, I just, I could not handle that at all. And I probably looking back, I should have, I'd let it all go, but I should have maybe made a formal complaint. I don't, it probably wouldn't have gone anywhere, to be honest. It really wouldn't have gone anywhere. But um, I think she needed to separate her, you know, personal views from her professional duties. It's like you need to go back and get training. And a lot of these officers sometimes just have this power trip and control and, you know, want to lock someone up. Or maybe they've had a shit day or maybe they're dealing with other shitheads and, and then this guy comes along and they're like, ah, oh, can't be bothered with this one. Let's just lock him up. It's like they should have known and there were – his local police station and there was a lot going on and they knew a lot about him that he wasn't mentally well. And I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get that he had stolen some sugar off a fucking cafe table um, and this, you know, dick of a guy wanted to make a big scene about it. But come on, really? To throw him into jail with, with rapists and murderers um, for over a month in a system that doesn't even like separate the two um, or can't even push these people forward? Like it's just an absolute nightmare. And like my lawyer was talking about all of this and the more I learned about it, the more angry I got. And it wasn't just us that was going through this. There's so many families having to deal with this and just the entire process of going to court. And um, so dad got to be um, on like video call. So they had like a jury. That's I completely forgot about this. But yeah, we went into court, eventually got his date. Um, and that was the first time I'd seen him in quite a long time. Um, and he was on a video camera in front of the judge. And we're very fortunate the judge um, has a son or relative with epilepsy and mental health conditions. So he was actually quite empathetic and understanding of um, – the situation and um he he honestly it was like what the fuck is this he was like what is this shit case i've got in front of me this is bullshit he's like this person should never have been in jail he was like okay we're gonna um like just just went through the formalities basically and 
we knew like he was going to be out, which was great. But it was just, he was just like, this is a bloody waste of time. <laughs> but, um, and you could clearly see, so dad was on the video and you could clearly see that his mental state wasn't great, that he just like, you know, wasn't really paying attention. He couldn't really answer the questions. Um, he wasn't all there. And it was like, yeah, you idiots. I mean, he needs support. And especially in like a community, these police officers, they should be offering support and connecting to, to people that can, um, can do that with people that are mentally ill. Um, or even like I couldn't, I still couldn't even understand to this day why that police officer never called me. They had my contact details and stuff as well. Like no one even contacted me to, to like, he just got put into jail and that was it. It's like there was no one to talk about his mental health or just the way that the system works. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's my ADHD and like, oh, I just love processes and I just felt like I'm sure they've got a system, but it just was flawed for people that were mentally ill. Um so yeah, he definitely was not a danger to society at all. He needed to have care and support. Um, and I just feel like, I hope maybe it's only been, what, a couple of years and who knows with COVID and everything. I doubt that the system has changed and I doubt that it ever will. But really, I just don't think that it needed to go that far. Um, so yeah, so that was an absolute roller coaster ride, navigating my way through learning how to get someone out of jail um, and how crap we are. <laughs> oh, how crap we are when it comes to mental health and supporting our community and people around us. I mean, I've always, I've always felt, I just, I don't know, I don't know. I guess that you can say people get themselves in these situations and it was his actions and he's, he's chosen to do all of that. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I get it. I mean, obviously I'm a bit biased here because he's my dad and, I don't know. I mean, if I, I, to be honest, if it was someone else, it's someone else's story, I probably would be feeling exactly the same way. I get really worked up about these things. Um, and I just think we should be offering a lot more support to these people rather than, um, and not, they, they're just like you and I, we're all, we're all fucked up in some bloody way. So I just, it just really gets me goat, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, let's turn to the positives because Things started to pick up from this point on. I made it very clear to my dad that he was to never pull anything like that again because it scared the shit out of me and I was just so worried about him and it stressed me out and, um, you know, I just sort of said to him, like, I don't want to be going through something like that again and I want to know that you're safe and you're well and you're home and you're okay and I'm tired of you going missing and causing all this trouble and so we got a lot of things in place I got him into a package um, we've now got a caseworker with him as well um, and just um, we started to get like you know the cleaning services the shopping services um, so that he wasn't just wandering the streets and doing his own shopping and stuff like that um, we tried a few different like getting meals in and stuff for him and we had a the biggest thing we did was a psych assessment so um, it had a team come in and just reassess him for um, everything um, oh, actually what I should say is when I went and picked him up out of the, out of jail, fuck, that was huge. So we'd gone through the ca the court case and then I got to go and pick him up and I had to, this is the other thing that shits me far out. I'm frustrated. Um, they called me and they said, basically your dad will be out on this day between these times and he'll just be let out the gate. There's a big gate that literally they open up, <laughs> like let the people out and then close it off. Um, and, and that's it. He's free. He's free to go. And I was like, oh, but um, he's not mentally well. So like what time roughly? And they're like, well, it's just between these times. And I'm kind of like, yeah, but this guy, like it's, this is ages away. It's nowhere near his home. How does he get home? Oh, he's just going to get him a taxi or whatever. I'm like obviously I was going to go and pick him up. But I'm like, so you just let people out 
And I'm, now my, I guess my brain, the way that I was thinking about it was like there's murderers and rapists in there, but when they're free and allowed to get out, you just open up the doors and they just, they just come out. I mean, I don't know if it's different for them. They obviously maybe have like, you know, tracking and all that kind of stuff. But daddy wasn't in that situation. But I just thought he's going to be this mentally ill person who's going to come out and probably just walk on the freeway and get lost again. And I think I was, um, I was working, so I had like um, – I think I might have been working that day. I might have had to take the day off. I can't remember. But um, what I ended up doing was just getting down there when it was the start time, checking in, telling them that I was there and I was going to be picking him up and that, you know, to please let him know that I'm here and I'm picking him up because I obviously had no contact with him at all either. So dad didn't know. Actually, that was my biggest worry. Dad didn't know that I was going to be there to pick him up. Um, and he, he didn't know what was going to happen, that he was going to be free and then and then what the next stages were. So I made it very clear to them and I'm a bit of a worry ward, a bit anxious like that, but I was like, I'm here. And I parked my car directly outside where the, the gates opened up. I double checked where it was going to be and everything. And I sat in the car for hours on end waiting for him to come out. And when he did, and I saw him walking towards me. I piss bolted. I <laughs> just went up to him, gave him a massive hug. Um, Wow, I'm really emotional today. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just really happy to see him and um, just just felt for him going through what he went through in there. And I thought I was going to be getting a shell of a person. <laughs> but <laughs> he walked out and he was like, Tano, he's like, I'm here. I gave him a hug. How are you, baby? Um it's like he's come back from a fucking holiday and he gets in the car and he didn't stop talking the whole entire time. And he was telling me um, that whilst in jail that he got a job and they paid him. He worked in the cafeteria with the food um, and, you know, he had a very strict routine, um, was on his medicine every day that, you know, obviously watch you take them, um, had to shower and stuff like that every day, which when you lose your um, – uh, balance uh, like mental health and you start to decline and become depressed and whatnot your hygiene is one of the first things to go um, so the fact that he was like showering every day and in routine I was like who is this man he's like this new person and it was like the the dad that had come back from the airport um, initially when I brought him back initially um, a couple of years before um, everything had gone south so I was like oh my god he's restored like and I guess for people and this is something you'll understand more in a podcast with my sister um an episode with my sister because you come to learn that anxiety and depression are a um, symptom of an underlying cause um cause and I th we've believed that my dad potentially has something like asperger's or um adhd or a form of of this and um you know that's probably why i was having a lot of the anxiety and depression a lot of those symptoms and for a lot of people with those kind of conditions routine is really really good for you so um being in a in in jail I guess and being in that routine of showering and having his medication and having a bit of a job and having a purpose and you know there was would have been people to interact with um even if they were murderers and rapists um so it was actually a good thing for him which is just like who would have thought um and I remember he got in the car and he was like, okay, I want to go and get Lebanese sweets and I want to, um, where's your mum? What, where's your mum? What's she doing? And we'll go and see her and we'll give her the sweets and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, dad, um, you guys aren't together anymore. <laughs> um, about that. Uh, yeah, so that was a little bit, that was a bit interesting. But he like literally had reset the computer in his brain and gone back to when um, we were like 
I was seven, <laughs> like we were kids or he was just like this dad that I remember. Um, he had a lot of energy and he was like, no, no, you got to take me here and you got to do this and I'm going to, he's like massive like in there and it maybe isn't a coping mechanism or a way to like ensure that you're um, stay sane and that you're going to come out and stuff is that he had created what he was going to do exactly when he left, where he wanted to go, what he wanted to eat, what he was going to do here, who he was going to talk to. And he kind of like, there was a lot of things and maybe because it did reset him, he was like, there's a lot of people that he used to hang out with and see that he doesn't see anymore. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go and talk to so-and-so and I'm going to go see this one and take me here and I've got to do this and I'm going to do all that. And I was like, okay, dad, I'm, we'll go get the sweets and then I'm taking you home, mate, because I'm like, oh, i got to get back to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was really, really nice um, to see him and see that he actually just, oh, his brain, honestly, I, he has been through a lot. And even now to this day, he just gets on with it. And I think that that's just... Honestly, such a big thing, such a big thing. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe because he doesn't register, maybe because he's not, doesn't think the way that we think, it's a bit like more cold um, or it's not, you know, I don't know. It's, it's definitely, there's definitely something there. Anyone who's a psychologist listening to this, come and talk to me. We can just depict what's going on in his brain. Um, but yeah, so um, he so we got him back out. He was out here and he was sort of went back to normal and um and that was incredible because we had been through a very very big journey. I mean, I even remember fuck I remember dad was started having epileptic fits and seizures as well and I had to learn about that entire process and he went into hospital a few times. Um I can't remember what it's called, but he actually has the seizures where he loses oxygen. Um I mean, well mainly I think most people do, but you you lose oxygen, he turns blue. Um and he had a big one in the hospital. Me and my sister were there with him. This is a bit earlier on. Um, and he stops breathing. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to get him into hospital or to get help when he has a seizure. So he's on medicine now and he's been treated for a lot of that. And touch wood, he hasn't had a seizure in a very long time. But he used to have the seizures and then he had falls. He hit his head. He had brain um, hemorrhage, um, bleeding in the brain. Um, you know, we had to take a lot of MRI scans and stuff like that. So we had been through the bloody ringer, me and our good old mate, but um, we are in such a good place now, which there's been some funny things happen. And, and obviously, um, as you know, I've moved to Queensland and that was such a hard decision because I had to consider what life was going to be like for dad. And I have done everything possible to set him up and put him in um, the, the best position possible. Uh, in terms of, you know, getting to appointments and getting his food and, you know, we've got a system in place and my brother and my sister Luna and stuff, um, they're, they're, they're around and they will help. And I know that they're so supportive of me, if anything. Um, but yeah, we've definitely got um, services in place to help him whilst I'm up here because it's time for Tani to live her life um, and create a new journey for herself. So um, some of the things just recently, because I have... Um, haven't been working back in Melbourne for a little while. I got to spend some time with dad and we really had become quite close. So I, um, dad, so because of his sugar addiction, if you listen to the um, episode before, he, um, and like I said, he, they lose their hygiene um, and decline a lot in their, their health um, or just being clean in general around the house and stuff. Um, he stopped brushing his teeth and he started to lose all his teeth. And I literally remember coming to see him one day and he'd lost like three of his front teeth. And I was like, what's, what's happened? Like, did you get in a fight or something? Have you fall? Did they, he's like, they fall out. He's like, they just fall out. And I'm like, 
Oh my God, my dad, you have to brush your teeth. And the thing is, he has nurses. He has nurses every day, twice a day to give him his medication just to ensure we've put that in place since he came out of um, jail just to make sure that he's definitely taking his medication. Um, and that has changed everything. And often I'd get calls being like, oh, you know, your dad's really not sort of looking after himself and, and concerned about this, concerned about that. And I'm like, I have tried everything possible to make him brush his teeth have a shower you know clean up after himself keep the house in a respectful manner like all of that I've done everything but someone who is just so set in their ways it was easier in the end to just be like you know what he's happy he's fine I like I'm just gonna walk away from the situation because I will be stressing myself out um repeating you know over and over all the same things and he's not going to change. So I honestly just, I would say to nurses now, like, yeah, he's fine. Don't worry about him. He's all right. He can be itchy if that's the case. If he doesn't want to shower, that's up to him. Like, you know, and he's happy. So honestly, I, I don't, don't really care. Um, but yeah, so we have been on a wait list for quite some time to get his teeth sorted and get him some dentures. Um, he, funnily enough, isn't phased by having no teeth. He just still eats whatever he wants. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, my teeth are just falling out. I'm like, yeah, okay, no worries. Um, but before I left, we'd been going to appointments and he started to, like, they had to pull out all his teeth. And then um, they'll start to have no teeth for like two months. And then they'll create the dentures and pop them in next year, I think January. And so I've had to organize to get people to take him to these appointments and whatnot. Um, and then I also found out, so I guess for me, I was, I was doing as much as I could before coming up here and just getting him sorted and organized to know that he was in a good place. Um, and so I went and got his eyes tested and we're doing his teeth. Um, and I found out that he's blind in his right eye. So he's completely blind. Now, this is what I'm talking about. The resilience in this man who just keeps on going. Just, I think it takes after Teta, like honestly, um, you know, to be blind in one eye. And he thought he had like 20-20 vision. He was like, yeah, I can see I'm fine. He's like, I remember saying to him, my like, dad, I really need to get you some glasses again. He's like, no, 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 I don't need them. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you used to wear glasses all the time. Um, and now that I think of it, maybe this is why like, because I had to take the car off him and he stopped driving and he was like sort of having accidents and stuff maybe he started going blind from back then but we didn't we didn't realize anyway so he's completely got cataracts um he's booked in for surgery um to sort that out as well so he should come through that and be completely fine apparently it's a very common surgery to um they cut something out and put something in um <laughs> um so yeah so that we're just organizing all of that but you're just this blind man walking around and we we're at the spec savers and um he was sitting down he was doing the tests and stuff and I remember the, the, the guy saying to him, okay, how many fingers am I holding up? And um, what letter can you see? And dad's like, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And I'm sitting there, oh my God, oh my God. Like, what the hell? He's like, I don't see anything. And then the guy flips and changes the things and does what he does. And then dad's like, oh yeah, I can see this, 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 this. And then the guy moves the, um, the screen thing in front of him, moves it out of the way and says to dad, put your hand over your right eye. And dad's like, okay. So he does that. And he's like, yeah, I see. I see everything. It's fine. And then he goes, okay, now to put your hand over your left eye. And dad's like, I can't see. I can't see. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. And this is the moment because I kept saying to him, Dad, like, you definitely need to get checked out. And, ah, fine. I'm fine. And this is like, he was just like, fuck. All right. I obviously need to sort that out. But he, I think he, he's like, we're walking out there. He's like covering his left eye. He's looking around. He's like, oh, okay. I think he's realized. I'm like, I really can't see. Um, but yeah, so we, we've spent a lot of time together in the lead up of me um, moving. Um, and I just sort of, you know, getting him some clothes. Just recently, actually, um, and I'm not sure, I took some footage of it, but I don't know if I'll pop it in a video on Instagram, but 
whilst being here in quarantine, we had our first challenge. Um, I had ordered some shoes for him because of COVID and the Australia Post and everything that's going on at the moment with the backlog. Um, I didn't want to get them delivered to his house, which would have been easier if um, there wasn't such a delay, but I knew he wouldn't get them for ages. And um, what had happened was the shoes that he was wearing, I didn't realize, but right before I left, he had, you know, walked so much in them that he burnt holes in the bottom and he was walking on his feet. I know how this sounds and yes, he's pretty much homeless. He looks homeless and um, and this is his life. But anyway, I organised from my end to get him um, some shoes just from Kmart, um, some sneakers and stuff and I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll organise click and collect and I'm sure I can explain to him how to go and pick them up. And I'm like, okay, so little like problem solver over here. I called Kmart, I've done the order the, the, the order came in. I call Kmart. I tell them that my dad's coming to pick them up. I book a time slot. Um, and um, the lady was absolute legend. Kmart, Preston, Northland Shopping Centre. Um, she nailed it. I seriously was so, so, so impressed with them. Um, and so what I did was I <laughs> told dad, you've got to be there at 11 o'clock. When you um, get to Northland, call me um, and I will talk to you and tell you how to, how to find where you've got to pick it up because it's not at the store inside you've got to get it from outside and obviously someone like him doesn't understand and so I'm on the phone to him I'm trying to explain it to him and he's like wasn't making any sense and so I said to him okay I was like give me FaceTime (laughs) I was called him on FaceTime I switched I said look at the phone and I said okay now turn the phone around and show me where you're walking and then I was able to explain to him um where to go and so he's holding the phone he's walking along he's got a little he told me he's like I'll wear black and I'll put a hat on um that way they know it's me he's like if I put the black on and I wear the hat <laughs> um and so I did I told them that's what he was wearing that's what he looked like and he's so he walks through the car park and he's walking down the end of the street and that's where the door is and there's all the taxis lined up and I'm like okay I was like so just keep walking and I was about to say to him this is where you're going to stop and um and they're going to come out and give you the shoes but the phone died. His phone died. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I'm sitting here in hotel quarantine on the end of the bed being like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? Knowing him, he'll just keep walking. Um, I'm like, he's just going to bloody go to the next suburb or something. So I quickly called Kmart um, and the same lady answered. I'm like, it's me. My dad's there. He's out the front. His phone's died. Um, can someone grab, go out there and grab him? Um, I was like, I don't know what else to do. I'm you know, obviously not in the, in the state. Can, can someone just you know help, help us out? She's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll go now. And then I just like silence, hung the phone up and I was like, oh my God, I just really hope that he got his shoes because like I said, I care too much about people and I want to make sure that he's got decent shoes on his feet um, and I would just hate the idea that he'd gone and walked, so he walks everywhere as well. So he was walked there and then to say he doesn't get the shoes, he's got to walk all the way home, I just felt really bad. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll give it maybe a good 15 minutes or so. Dad's obviously got to get home and charge his phone and I'll, um, I'll call Kmart back. But within the next five minutes, Kmart had called me and it was like the lady and she's like, okay. She's like, I found your dad. It's all good. I found him. And I was like, oh, okay, perfect. Thank you so much. So you've made the exchange. It's all good. She's like, yeah, yeah, but he's not very happy with you. And I was like, oh my God, of course he's not. I said, well, what's wrong with him now? And she goes, it's not the shoes that he wanted. He wanted slip-ons. He didn't want laces. And I was like, oh gosh. I said, oh, I'm sure he's fine. She goes, no, 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 it's all good. She said, what we did was we actually sat him down um, and put his shoes and his new shoes on for him. Um, and once they were on, he was chuffed. He was absolutely chuffed with himself. Um, and, you know, he's headed off, obviously he's headed off home. And I... 
I couldn't talk because I'd already started crying because I was just so overwhelmed um, with the generosity and kindness and just especially during COVID, I doubt he had a mask on um, and like I know how he looked, his, you know, his hair's overgrown, his beard's overgrown, um, you know, he does definitely look like he lives off the streets and for this woman to just help him out by putting shoes on his feet, he doesn't wear socks either and I just felt like, like I just, my heart was just warm because I was like, oh, that's such a nice thing to do for someone, um, you know, and especially with customer service these days, if I'm being honest, you know, it's not the same anymore, people don't go above and beyond. But this lady did and I'm so, so grateful. And um, yeah, I was just like through tears being like, oh, thank you so much. It means a lot. And I got to speak to dad later on. I'm like, you've got your shoes? You're good? He's like, yes, I'm good. <laughs> like very simple. I'm like, oh, okay, boring. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that was um, that was a little challenge. I, I must have been, I don't know, getting my period or something. I was so emotional about that afterwards. I was just really upset and I called mum later on and I was like, I'm going to have to deal with a lot of these things up here. She's like, yeah, but, you know, you figured it out. You've problem solved. He got his shoes in the end, so you did well. Like, it's fine. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But, um, but yeah, I guess that's, that's what it is like looking after your dad who is not very well at times. But in the honest truth, and I've, I've made peace with it recently, is that he is so happy. Like he is so happy. Like for the, the dad I knew moping around as, as a, when I was a kid and, and not, you know, really having much purpose. Um, he's got his own little house. He's set up. He's, he loves to cook and, um, and make food and he makes a lot of Lebanese dishes. And if I go over there, sometimes he's cracking and peeling pistachios and he's going to make some Lebanese sweets. And, you know, he's singing to himself. He like goes out and goes for a walk every day. Um, he has his routine and stuff and I think, you know, he sees his nurses and, and I come and see him and, and I think um, I think he's just content in his life. He's happy because he just comes and goes as he pleases and he doesn't care about how he looks. He doesn't care about uh, judgment or whatnot. Like, you know, obviously I want him to dress a little bit nicer and do his hair and stuff like that, but it doesn't phase him. It just does not bother him one bit and at the end of the day, if, if he's happy and he's doing what makes him happy, well, then, like, good on him, honestly. Like, I don't know. I, there's no point trying to change someone. And I think we, you know, often from ego more so than anything else and the fear of judgment and what other people are going to say. And I don't know. I guess I haven't really even spoken about this anywhere about um, my dad. And for a very long time, I was embarrassed. Even growing up, I was embarrassed, you know, typical woggy father and and then him being unwell and stuff. And so... I don't know. I think now I'm just kind of like, well, fuck it. That's who he is. And if someone's going to judge me because of it, well, then you're an idiot. And <laughs> and honestly, I just I'm really happy for him. I'm so proud of him as well. Like I think that day that he picked up the the shoes, I was just like, he did it. <laughs> like we got in there and he got the shoes. And I'm just very proud. We've come such a long way um, together. And um. In the beginning when it was absolute hell, I am just so grateful that I've been able to help him and I can see him now just being happy. Even if it's not some sort of in, inverted commas normal, um, normal sort of life, but um, he's just really happy and, you know, he talks to his family on the phone and the best parts are when he's like, my phone is not working. Yes, Dad, your phone works. Remember, you've got to use WhatsApp to call overseas and then the normal ones to call here if you want to call me and stuff. I said, I'll just use WhatsApp and you can call me and call overseas. No, 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 B, it's not working. You have to come and fix it. 
And I would say to him, Dad, I'm, I'm going to be living in Queensland. I'm not going to be able to come and fix your phone anymore. <laughs> and he was like, okay, okay, I try, I try. And he just could never do it. And I had to try and t- – I've taught him like a thousand times to um, to use WhatsApp and what to do. And actually just the other day they did call me um, – a nurse called me. And she's like, I'm with your dad and um, he's saying his phone doesn't work. And I was like, oh, perfect. She's like, sorry to bother you. I'm like, no, 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 this is great. I'm like, if you stay on the phone, let's put his phone on speaker. I'll step you through everything. Um, she goes, you know, he said that you're the only one – <laughs> in his voice – She's the only one that can fix it. She's the only one that can fix it. <laughs> um, bless his soul, honestly. Love him to bits. Such a crazy, crazy man. But isn't it the um, the crazy ones that are the special ones? So that is the story of my journey and life and my dad and whatnot dealing with all of that. So that is the part two of this episode. Um Thank you. Thank you for listening as well. Um, I will leave you guys with a quote because I noticed that I um, usually start off all my episodes with a quote um, and didn't do that for part one of this part one and two series. Um, So very fitting. This one is give yourself some credit for how far you've come. And I think so often we forget to look at where we started and look at where we are now. We're always looking into the future and where we want to be and forget to be grateful for the present moment um, and the challenges and the struggles that we've gone through um, and overcoming them and still being here today and learning so much through those experiences. Um, And I think there's a um, thing that Luna always says, so my sister says about once you've learned something like a tip or a, um, a tool to help you, um, whether that be, you know, meditation or breathing or journaling, um, or you've, you know, you've gone through a struggle and a challenge and you've hit an all time low and then you've, you know, worked your way back out of that slowly, or you've, you know, had to overcome that, that mountain, um, all the little things along that way to help you overcome that challenge have then been logged I would say or been stored in your in your brain in a little cupboard in a little compartment and when you maybe go through your next challenge or there's another um you know horrible experience that's coming your way or that you got to go through you got to figure out you got to navigate um you know you've got that little storage compartment in there that just pops up open and you've got all the little tools that you can then access um and and help you get through it again so there's a very long way of explaining that and I hope that makes sense but it's like you will never be at that low moment without any assistance and help because you've learned so much through all the other shit that you've gone through that you can now apply to the next challenges. So it's like you will always get through something if you truly believe in your own capabilities, in your own power, that you whatever it is that you are going through right now, you can come out the other end. There is light at the other end of the tunnel, as they say. Um, And I know that in those moments, it just feels like the world is ending. Trust me, I've been there many, many times in my life. Um, And I just know that if you persevere or if you just tell yourself today is a bad day, tomorrow's a new day, um, you will get through it. So please, if anyone is going through anything really difficult at the moment, reach out to loved ones. Please see a therapist or a professional. Um, seek some help and um, 
And just remember that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are enough. Um, and if anyone ever wants to chat, please contact me at stateofme underscore. I'll leave um, the details below in the description so you can check them out there. Um, otherwise, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I will be back next week with um, more stuff to talk about um, in my crazy, crazy life that is State of Me. So thank you and uh, see you later. If you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world if you could please like, share, rate and review. If you want to hear more, please hit the follow button above. Until next time, stay mind fit, spread positivity and remember, everything you need is already within you. Thank <laughs> you.